Welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias at work through conversation. I'm Annie Rogaski, and the topic for this week is emotion. Emotion is a topic that probably is not discussed at work very often, may not be discussed very much between men and women, but is discussed certainly among women and perhaps it's also discussed among men. I don't know. But I think it's a topic that's worth tackling and looking at how it plays out in the workplace, how it plays out for men, how it plays out for women. Is it appropriate? Is it necessary to have the ability to display emotion in the workplace? I am going to pause it and I'll throw it out here for you to think about throughout this episode that we should have more emotion at work, that we should enable emotion to be equally expressed regardless of who is expressing it. Hopefully you will see why I advocate for that as I go through what I'm hopeful for and some issues around the topic of the week. Here is why I am hopeful this week with respect to emotion. There are increasingly articles that talk about the importance of traditionally feminine traits for our leaders. So this comes up in a lot of different contexts. I'll put some in the show notes, resources you can look at, either articles or books. A couple of the traditionally feminine traits that are increasingly being highlighted as important leadership skills are vulnerability and compassion. And both of those, I think, are tied to emotion. I think vulnerability is accessed through feeling emotion and compassion is seeing emotion and recognizing emotion in others. That's my own view of what those are. Perhaps there's a different definition, but I think they're all tied together. And the fact that these are considered to be important leadership traits, I think, should be good news for women as they move up the leadership ranks, that they're generally naturally inclined towards these traits. And if we can access them, and if they're received in a positive way, this can enable women to be more effective leaders just as men who access these traditionally feminine traits also become stronger, more effective leaders. So let's dive into the topic of emotion. As I mentioned in my Reason for Hope, vulnerability is increasingly seen as a leadership skill. There's been a lot of discussion in recent years about the importance of vulnerability in leaders, because it enables connections with their team, it allows them to be authentic. But my question to you is whether vulnerability is received the same way when it's displayed by a male leader versus a female leader. Or is vulnerability in female leaders perceived more as emotion that makes them seem weak? There's an article a few years back on Forbes.com by David K. Williams entitled, The Best Leaders Are Vulnerable. And in this, he says, vulnerability is a strength. Every leader has vulnerability. The greatest leaders have the self-awareness to recognize this fact. They also recognize that showing their vulnerability is a sign of courage and strength. I really like how he ends this, tying the concept of vulnerability to courage and strength, because the words that he uses, courage and strength, are two words traditionally associated with masculine traits. 
So he takes this concept of vulnerability, which I would argue is a more feminine trait, and gives it legitimacy by tying it with masculine types of leadership, of courage and strength. And so if you think about that concept, consider perhaps when you see a female leader, do you see vulnerability that she displays as courage and strength? Or do you see something else? To get at this concept of vulnerability and its connection with emotion, I want to share a recent incident that happened in the tennis world. Serena Williams was playing for a Grand Slam title. This would have been a record-tying title. She ended up losing. She was fined $17,000 for violations that other professional tennis players, both male and female, suggested were dubious. And uh, they raised the, the question of whether there was a double standard. Here's a clip of part of the exchange between Serena Williams and the umpire who was umpiring her game. I find this clip really fascinating because as a female, I hear so much restraint. I, I hear the anger that she's feeling and the fact that she is so carefully expressing it. She is not flying off the handle. She's not running around the court. She's so controlled and so measured in how she approaches him. And I think that is something that women tend to do. And I think we can't lose sight of the intersectionality of women of color also having to live up to a different standard. There's a lot of commentary about Serena Williams' exchange with the umpire and whether the fine and the violations were legitimate. There was an article by Kurt Bardella in USA Today entitled Sexism Cost Serena Williams Tennis Title, uh, Men Celebrated for Worse. And he notes, not only was Williams subjected to a sexist double standard by her own sports organization, she had to take it from the news media as well. And he cites a number of different tweets from different news organizations like, Serena has the mother of all meltdowns in U.S. Open final loss, and sensitive ref pushes Serena Williams to meltdown and ruins Naomi Osaka's U.S. Open victory. And finally, Serena Williams' outburst costs her at U.S. Open. Mr. Bardella then asks an important question. He asks, why is a male athlete who curses, poses, rants, and raves celebrated for being intense, passionate, and in the moment, while Serena Williams is vilified for melting down and having an outburst? Bardella draws a contrast between Serena's incident and the way that men behave in the English Premier League, which is soccer or football, depending on what country you're from. But when I heard this, I had a different comparison come to mind. 
I immediately flashed back to the 70s and 80s tennis scene when I was uh, more regularly watching tennis. And the first person I thought of was John McEnroe because he was well known during that time for having outbursts, for yelling at umpires, for cursing at umpires. And I wanted to see how he sounded compared to how Serena Williams sounded. So there were many, many examples to pull from. This is one that uh, was not over the top, but I thought pretty representative of how he interacted with umpires back then. So here's John McEnroe. Game of the second back, it came back. <laughs> He's opened the door just a little bit. Again, yeah, love 15. successfully all day but boy I don't know how much more uh, abuse Richard Ings takes before he gives him a warning yeah just what I was thinking Fred that he's been pretty even-handed so far an obscenity from McEnroe clearly heard by us uh, was not heard by Skippy Ings otherwise if he heard it he should definitely have given McEnroe a warning there it is you might agree that John McEnroe approached the umpire in his match with considerably more emotion than Serena Williams did in her match. I'm going to let the audio continue as I continue to record this because I had a hard time deciding how to edit out his clip. It's about, it is over seven minutes long of him yelling at this umpire. And I think that that length also conveys a, a certain emotion that uh, I didn't want to cut off. So you'll hear that for a little bit longer. I think this reflects that we accept and we expect different levels of control or emotion from male and female athletes. John McEnroe was fully able to express his range of emotions. And yet Serena Williams had to be very controlled. And even then, I've heard so many people talk about how angry she was. And she didn't act angry. She controlled it. You, could, you, you knew she was angry. You could tell that she was angry, but she didn't act angry. And I think that's because she knew that she couldn't. She knew that would not be received in the same way that it would be for John McEnroe. But if we move this over into the workplace... I know that the professional sports arena is the workplace for a lot of people, but for most of us, it's not. I wanted to bring up another recent example of emotion, and this is of a leader showing vulnerability through emotion. This was Elon Musk, who in a public interview recently 
described the stress and difficulty of his job, the toll it was taking on him, and he appeared to cry somewhat in that in that public statement. And it was interesting to see the reaction after that happened. In a New York Times article by David Gellis, he notes, in all the conversations I've had with business leaders over the years, not until Elon Musk got on the phone had an executive revealed such vulnerability. By speaking with such candor, choking up, pausing repeatedly to regain his composure, Mr. Musk made clear just what a steep toll his work was taking on his personal life. It was a reminder that despite all their efforts to make the public believe otherwise, CEOs have feelings too. Elon Musk was not mocked for being weak or vulnerable or displaying emotions or crying. He was celebrated. He was held up as an example of what a CEO can be. And this is consistent with how other men have been treated in the business world when they've shown emotion. For example, in 2013, Microsoft's outgoing chief executive, Steve Ballmer, made a company-wide speech in what was described as a torrent of emotion. In 2016, Nokia's CEO ended a speech saying, we didn't do anything wrong, but somehow we lost. And it was reported that upon saying that, all his management team, himself included, teared sadly. When it comes to emotion, which is often how vulnerability is shown, the standards seem to be very different for men and women. Men tend to be celebrated when they show emotion. For women, it's often seen as a weakness and inappropriate for the workplace. It's like it shows we don't belong there. I think this is because emotion is seen as a woman's trait, a woman's right, um, something different than what is expected to happen in the workplace. So if a man is in touch with his feelings and shows some emotion, it's almost as if he has more talent than the average man. But if a woman is in touch with her feelings and shows emotions, she's just being a woman, which in business is often not a positive. So I wanted to see how emotion was received in the workplace when it's displayed by men or women. And there were some really interesting commentaries out there that I wanted to share a few quotes from. There's an article in The Cut entitled, How to Control Your Emotions at Work. And it says, interestingly, men and women perceive men and women the same way. Both men and women are hard on women who cry or shout, and both women and men are generally pretty forgiving and sometimes impressed by men who yell or cry. This is teeing up a little bit of a double standard uh, between men and women in showing emotion. And the problem with this, to me, is that it impacts the accessibility that women should have to this leadership skill of vulnerability something that women generally are pretty good at accessing. This would tend to give us a step up in the leadership realm, but it turns out that that's taken away from us. For a first-person view of what this is like, Nell Scoville wrote an article on Oprah.com entitled, For Any Woman Who's Ever Been Told She's Too Emotional at Work. Ms. Scoville writes, Women are not allowed to be as authentic as men at work. By being tough and unemotional, I was not acting like a man, just the opposite. My male colleagues emoted like crazy 
After a tough note session with a network, a male writer walked into the room, screamed in obscenity, and threw his script across the table. It struck me that anger is an emotion, too, but nobody thought he was hysterical. When a man storms out of the room, he's passionate. When a woman storms out, she's unstable and unprofessional. What strikes me about this is Ms. Scoville ties us back to authenticity, that if you're not able to express emotions because they won't be received in a positive light, you have to hold that back. You can't be as authentic as you want to be. In another article in Forbes, Amy Nelson wrote, there is a double standard that women in leadership face every day. Women in America's workplaces must walk an almost impossible tightrope of being authentic without being vulnerable, projecting a strong image without being aggressive, and finding a way to be kind but not meek. Above all, we certainly cannot cry. What concerns me about this quote is that it shows this trade-off between authenticity and vulnerability, which are naturally very connected. And if you have to be authentic without being vulnerable, you are taking away one of the tools in your leadership toolkit. And this is not just a soft factor of, oh, how vulnerable can you be at work? There are very real repercussions for women showing emotion showing vulnerability at work. In The Atlantic, Marina Corin writes, women incur social and economic penalties for expressing masculine-typed emotions because they violate prescriptions against dominance for women. At the same time, when women express female-typed emotions, they are judged as overly emotional and lacking emotional control, which ultimately undermines women's competence and professional legitimacy. This is the double bind that women face. As Ms. Corin continues, she says, speak assertively and risk being labeled bossy. Display anger and be seen as bitchy. Remain stoic and be called an ice queen. Cry and get pegged as too emotional. Women in the workplace are constantly walking a tightrope. The impact of all of this is that it affects the leadership path of women Maybe they don't make it as fast up the leadership chain as they otherwise would because they can't as effectively access the leadership skill of vulnerability. It can impact their compensation. If women are not seen as passionate and assertive but are emotional and bitchy, they're less likely to get promotions that men who are perceived as passionate and assertive might get. So it impacts your leadership path, it impacts your compensation, it impacts your professional growth. This was confirmed in a Harvard study which found that women who express anger at work are penalized while men are promoted. Not just that women are penalized, but men are promoted. So the opposite, women actively get moved down while men actively get moved up for expressing the exact same emotion. This article says, women who expressed anger in a professional context were accorded lower status, lower wages, and less competence, while the opposite was true for men. So the point of all this, I'm not trying to beat up men. I'm not trying to beat up women. I'm just trying to bring awareness to the fact that emotion is appropriate at work. Emotion is an effective leadership tool as it's tied to vulnerability and compassion. 
that women access emotion really well and so should be celebrated and promoted as leaders for having these additional skills. And yet we find the opposite is true. This stems from the fact that the workplaces that most of us are in were set up by men under the rules that men structured and emotion was not celebrated under that structure. So when women come into the workplace and bring their emotion and their vulnerability and their compassion with them, instead of that being something that helps them get a leg up and move up the chain, move up the ladder, instead they get beat down. I think we need to take a look at this in our workplaces, consider how we might make emotion more acceptable at work, and make sure that it's acceptable for whomever expresses it. I am not advocating for absolutely no emotional constraint and everyone just comes in and displays their emotions constantly. That would make the workplace impossible. People have to use a little self-restraint on what they bring to the workplace as with anything. But I think we can acknowledge that emotions are natural, that they are an important way of how we connect with each other, how we read each other, And that if we expect our leaders to be authentically vulnerable, their vulnerability should be theirs to share, whatever it is, whoever they are, however they choose to share it. And that you don't suddenly come upon your vulnerability and your authenticity as a leader. It's something that's developed over your entire career, which means that the accessibility to vulnerability and emotion has to be acceptable throughout one's career. So at every level, we have to give space for emotion to exist. I do think if we do that, we will have healthier workplaces. We probably will have better communication and we'll get to know each other better, which is the whole point of this vulnerability leadership trait. So I have a couple challenges for you today. The first is notice when you see emotion at work and how it is received. Maybe just do some self-introspection when you observe it. Do you perceive a similar emotion differently depending on who it comes from? Is that dependent on the gender of the person? How can we make emotion more acceptable regardless of who displays it? So those are the challenges that I would ask you to take on this week. For conversation starters... If you're into sports, you might say to a friend, what do you think about all the criticism Serena Williams got for complaining about the ump? How would you compare her conduct to someone like John McEnroe? Or, depending on your audience, (laughs) maybe choose a a more recent uh, tennis player. That's showing my age a little bit. Another way into the conversation might be, what do you think about seeing a CEO cry? Does that reflect vulnerability and authenticity and make you trust that person and respect that person more? Does it matter if the CEO is male or female? Thank you as always for listening. Please go have a conversation with someone this week about emotion and let me know how it goes. I'd love to hear your stories and if uh, anyone has a success in the workplace of having a conversation about this and opening up more emotion or vulnerability with your coworkers, I'd love to hear about it. 
If you have any comments on topics for future episodes, let me know that as well or any other feedback. You can email me at unravelingpink at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at unravelingpink. If you enjoy Unraveling Pink, please take a few moments to rate or review it on your listening platform. It will make it more likely that others will learn about it and listen too. Together, we can start a conversation. What do you do then? Tell me what you can do in this situation. It's a rule of temper. I was staying, was staying, waiting for him to play. I've been complaining that he's taking too long. 